Morning, welcome back to the broadcast retirement network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Sunday for Sunday, October 22nd, 2023. And of course, we've got another great show for you this week. We've got the Legal Eagles, David Levine, Kevin Walsh, both are standing by, and then Oliver Rank will wrap things up so tightly and nicely. He's from the Schwab Network. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode of BRN Sunday. We're going to kick off the week with a look at what is happening on Capitol Hill. Wow, there is a lot these days. And here to break it down, you know them as the Legal Eagles. They're also known as David Levine, Kevin Walsh. Both are principals with Groom Law Group. And just a reminder, a friendly reminder, that's a employee benefits law firm based in good old Washington, D.C. Eagles, great to talk to you. Thanks so much for stopping by the program this morning. Jeff, thanks for having us on. You know, it's it's always good to be on the program, even in weeks where it's tough to talk about everything that's going on in Capitol Hill and elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And David, I want to come to you because um, I'm, you know, as you know, on this program, we're really focused on the retirement agenda. I want to get your take on whether that it's stalled and what, if anything, can can come of, about in the uh, the last quarter of the year. Sure, and you know, it's a really good place to begin with, Jeff, to to really look back for a moment here. I know this is not one of our retrospective uh, type of episodes, but. If you look at the last three, four years, we have had so much retirement legislation from Secure 1.0 to CARES to Secure 2.0 to other things that have been out there. A lot has gone on. And as we all know, Secure 2.0 was huge, 90 plus provisions. And inevitably, despite really valiant efforts by staff who really put a lot of time and effort in, there's always things that you want to clean up, or in English, or in technical speak, maybe, technical corrections. And there's been a lot of interest in Secure 2.0 past and little cleanup items here or there, sometimes not so little. Things like how catch-up contributions work, other, other pieces of clarification in the law. And there's been a lot of interest. Uh, the folks on the Hill have been very responsive to hearing what's, what's of interest. But the reality is there's a lot of gray lines. There are changes people may want in Secure 2.0 that some would view to be technical and just sort of a clarification that others would be view as a real change in the design of the law or the intention of a provision. So there's a lot of back and forth out there about is a change technical, just a cleanup item, or is it really something more substantive? One of the great examples that's out there right now for to come to mind is People wanted CITs in 403B. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. And it's been, it was in and out. Is that a substantive change? Is it technical? I'm sure there's, a, I know there's a lot of us, us included, who would love to have an expansion of the vehicles available for 403B plans. But will that qualify as technical? I'd love to argue that, but I know some people wouldn't agree. So right where we stand at this moment is trying to move things forward. Plus there's been turnover in some of the staff in the various retirement-related committees, as well as we are starting to cycle back into an election cycle. Members of Congress are changing. A lot of the the longtime leaders of retirement policy have or are in the course of retiring, phasing out, moving elsewhere. 
So what does that leave us with? It leaves us with people who certainly care and staff who certainly care, but there's a lot of priorities out there. And given the partisan schisms that have developed on the Hill, and we're not going to get into either side's pros or cons, the, it, the hope is it's still a bipartisan discussion, but there's partisanship does get more and more into a lot of things. And we can hope for everybody working together like they have, but we have to see where things go. So for right now, there's a lot of hope for technical corrections, but I think we have to be realistic that you can't bank on it at this time. Kevin, what do you think? I mean, I think you're you're highlighting the key things. And, and when I look at what's going on on Capitol Hill and you know the retirement agenda, you know, I, I think the retirement agenda will get back on track at some point. I think technical corrections to secure 2.0 will happen. Um, so, David, when you're talking about the challenges it's facing, I don't think those are insurmountable permanently. But I think Agreed. it's important. I think it's important to recognize that this year may not be the year that everything gets done. We've got a, a handful of of crises going on in Washington D.C. Um, you know, if we look at what's going on, uh, we have a House of Representatives that that currently doesn't have a speaker, and you know, it it it's difficult to figure out who the next speaker is going to be. Uh, we also have government funding running out in less than a month, uh, and then we've got a president who has asked for major packages. Um, with respect to the Middle East, with respect to Eastern Europe, and also with respect to our southern border. And, you know, all of these bills, you know, while must pass legislation is typically viewed as a vehicle for adding things as a way of getting bills across the finish line, it looks like each of these just by itself is going to be, you know, isolated, but also a heavy political lift. Um, and that that makes this year kind of uniquely bad for passing retirement legislation. A gentleman, I just want to ask one question. I mean, we, we've had so much retirement legislation over the past, what, since 2019, we had secure, as you already articulated. Is it about aligning our expectations? You know, you, you can't do a retirement bill every year, right? I mean, uh, even though there are things going on with retirement, maybe our, we're just like, we're spoiled in a way that we've had so much positive I, I view them as positive. Um, others may think, think differently. Positive retirement plan changes, and maybe we just need to let it kind of – I think maybe it plays to – is there a little bit of um, tiredness in the, on the part of moving retirement legislation, forgoing all the other things that are going on? So is it about aligning our expectations as professionals, as individuals? Uh, you know, We just can't expect to have uh, retirement legislation every year. So Jeff, you're making some good points, which are that we're not going to get a whole secure package every year. Um, but you know, one thing that we like to see in essentially the year after we get a big retirement bill is, you know, once folks go through the language, once people start trying to implement the language, you realize that some of the language is a little bit wonky, some of it's a little bit busted, some of it just doesn't quite fit together. Um, that you know, for whatever reason, it was a big package, and someone someone screwed up one line of text. Um, the hope, at least this year, was that we could get a package through that that fixes some of that wonky text uh, while folks are beginning to work on cobbling together uh, bills or introducing, you know, single bills that could be used in you know the next few Congresses, uh, the next time Congress gets around to passing a new retirement package. But you're right; not every year are we going to see big retirement legislation. But I think both David and I were thinking that 2023 was a likely year for a a fix to some of the the busted language. Um, and it's increasingly looking like that fix is, is going to be pushed off until 2024 or whenever they get around to it. Yeah, or whenever although they... I, although, Go ahead. Although I am going to chime in. 
I, I would I would say the language isn't necessarily busted. I would just say we have learned that it needs enhancement. That's yeah. a great way of framing it, David. I mean, I just, I just I'm I'm focusing on just you know there's every once in a while, no matter how good you are, and and the folks who work on this are are excellent. Uh, there's just so much legislation that needs to be written that occasionally, Agreed. you know, a, a few typos get through. Yeah, well, I, I, and Agreed. I and I just want to say for the record, I I completely agree. I think the the staff, all those people that, and some of whom we've had on the program, in addition to the great illegal eagles, they do tremendous work. And and anybody who's been in the industry as long as us, all of us have, and others listening. I think we're very appreciative of the work that these folks do. And, and uh, I, I can only imagine what it's like to sort through dozens and dozens and dozens of paper and drafts of, of regulations. So, uh, gentlemen, we're going to leave it there. Great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us. And look, I, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed because I love talking about retirement legislation and regulation with you gentlemen. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thanks for your time, thank Jeff, you, and thank you, thank listeners. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Welcome back. Now time to break down markets for the week. Economics, a lot more joining us online. He is the lead anchor for the Schwab Network, Oliver Rennick. Oliver, always great to talk to you. Thanks for popping by the program this morning. Thank you for allowing the pop. Well, I enjoy it. I think the audience does as well, and I know your audience at Schwab Network does as well. Uh, yeah, Thanks, absolutely. Uh, SchwabNetwork.com, by the way, SchwabNetwork.com. And uh, no, we're not uh, a paid sponsor, but uh, or not. <laughs> they're not a paid sponsor to do this, but we appreciate the partnership. All right, Oliver, um, let's talk markets, and I want to get your sense for what's happening from a technical and a fundamental point of view right now with markets. Okay, technical first is that's kind of the top line for analysis, the starting place. The S&P 500 is back down near the uh, lows of uh, the last three months. 
NASDAQ kind of doing the same. We haven't broken down to new lows below where we were this summer, uh, but markets definitely came under some pressure this week. And I mean, literally just from like every standpoint. So uh, the technicals on the S&P are holding up, but definitely very much under threat. The technicals for the bond market are an absolute disaster. Uh, the treasury market is selling off basically unrelentingly. We're getting a little bit of a bid on Friday, but it doesn't really matter so much after the distance treasury yields have traveled this year, but really just in the last couple months, and then pulling back on the chart further, of course, off the bottom of the lows in COVID, the treasury yield movement has been so extreme. And now we are basically at 20-year highs just below them. And it looks like there's a lot of pull on that 5% for the 10 years. So bonds, it's basically like get out of the way until otherwise shown, otherwise proven, yields are just going to keep going higher. Um, stock market has tried to withstand that macro pressure, but it's just proven a little bit too hard to handle when there is a bunch of other stuff going on as well. Uh, this week, part of it was earnings, which are probably going to be a bit of a wake-up call for valuations for tech, and we saw that with Tesla getting really hammered. Um, and then, um, But at the same time, there are a lot of companies that have – received the message of the market over the last year and a half that have reformed their errant ways. Companies like Meta and Netflix have tightened up, uh, you know, the, the belt strings and purse strings and um, trimmed down and gotten more efficient financially. And so there are some winners in this mix. And because uh, the economic strength that is underpinning this big rise in treasury yields, it still is somewhat to be determined whether or not stocks will be able to survive. Looks like they probably are not going to thrive in an environment where yields are ripping higher, but so far they're surviving. Yeah. And Oliver, I want to ask you, um, you know, you talked about the yield, the yield curve, um, and the bond market, and a lot of that is based on the interest rates that, or at least the interest rate and inflation conversation that's going on with the Fed. I want to ask you about sure. kind of the, you know, we we talked to you earlier in the year about the the war in Ukraine and the impact that might have on supply chain mm-hmm. and the market, and how it followed up with the uh, the pandemic, followed on from the pandemic and the reopening. What about this more recent uh, Mid East conflict going on between? Hamas and, and Israel, um, does sure. that play at all into what the stock market is kind of factoring in, or is that less of a factor than maybe would have may have been in years past? Well, I think it's so far less of a factor for the market than Ukraine versus Russia, because partly because of the timing, we were already in sort of an inflationary prone period and. Um, all the sanctions and stuff that immediately hit had an impact on a broad swath of commodities. Um, so, so far, this particular ge- particular geopolitical conflict has not had that type of broad impact just yet. But it is certainly one of the things that is complicating uh, the case for bulls at a time when they're already having to navigate this very hostile background in the bond market. So, um, 
the impact so far has not really been that meaningful, frankly, from a market perspective, because you're basically watching crude oil as a read on that. And mm-hmm. crude has still remained very range bound. It's below 90 bucks. It's below the 95 we were at earlier uh, this year. So it hasn't really shown up in a big way. The other thing to also keep in mind is that um, investors are uh, selling bonds on days of surprisingly good economic data. So it's really important to note that like, while there is this kind of breakdown happening in the stock market um, and the stock market doesn't like higher yields and geopolitics are a little bit scary and earnings are going to be a mixed bag at best. Uh, what else am I missing? Oh, there's like, I don't really follow so much what's going on in DC, but you know, there's, they're trying to figure out who's going to lead half the party. So <laughs> yeah, there's all these other things, but like, frankly, the most important information investors need to understand is that the economy is just impossibly strong right now, way better than anybody ever thought it would be. It's insane that it's October 2023. Given the way people were talking about the bond market, the yield curve, inflation, and the economy in like December of last year, it is incredible that in October of 2023, we printed an NFP over 300,000. We're getting jobless claims below 200,000. We're getting retail sales revised higher twice in a row. Um, we are getting ISMs bouncing back. I mean, it's just absolutely astonishing. And that is the core of why you're getting volatility because it doesn't matter if things are really good, frankly. What matters is how people are positioned and what they're ready for. And the bond market was just not ready for this degree of economic strength, which all but confirms the Fed will not be cutting anytime soon unless there's a major, major economic event, uh, which just does, there is no sign of natural organic rollover in the economy right now. That's the bottom line. Um, but of course, as we've talked about many times before, when you have an expensive stock market, that mm-hmm. may not necessarily be perfect for stocks. You mentioned earnings, and I know it's a little early, but we're coming up on the holiday season. What do you look for when it comes to retail sales? Because I, I from my understanding, Kind of the holiday season kind of ramps up. It used to be around Thanksgiving, right? You had good, you had not Good Friday. What do you call it? Black Friday. But now it's like Halloween that that yeah. that retailers oh, yeah. now begin to think about. So, you know, you, you talked about Meta. You talked about some of the earnings that you look at, maybe bank earnings and things like that. But what about mm-hmm. retail? What about going into this holiday season, which season, excuse me, which begins shortly? It's actually a great question. I love it because. Uh, it's timely because we just saw retail sales, which were much better than expected. The credit card companies, the market is not treating them very well right now, mostly because of higher rates. But there is some concern about you know consumer indebtedness or whatever. But that's been a concern for a year, if not more. And because the employment situation is so strong, people can just keep rolling over and um, you know purchasing items that maybe do not extend to. Uh, you know, the highest, highest end of durable goods, but they are still buying $1,300 iPhones and they are still buying $200 shoes. And there are a lot of stocks in the retail camp that are doing quite well. You know, there are still businesses and companies and charts that are trending higher, uh, are at, uh, you know, close to 52 week highs. 
You know, um, there are specific examples of exceptions like Target and um, companies like, you know, Nike that um, have their own stock specific reasons for kind of being where they are. But generally, if you're in a good brand and you sell an item that is, you know, $1,000 or under, you're doing pretty well right now. Now, if you're like restoration hardware, you know, and you're selling the highest, highest end of like furniture for, uh, you know, housing market that might be slowing with interest rates, that's a little bit of a different story. But if you're a good brand and uh, you have a good margins and an established customer, your stock is doing pretty well. And so it's an important point to realize that even though interest rates are applying a lot of pressure in some of the very important parts of the market, there is stuff that absolutely will do well because the economy is doing so well. Yeah, it, it, I, it just befuddles my mind. Uh, you mentioned credit card debt, how that just continues to spiral. Uh, you lump that in with student loan debt, Oliver, and student loan repayments just restarting. It, it, yep. it, you know, I, I just don't understand. You know, again, layperson here. Um, you know, worked with retirement plans my entire career, so I don't have that retail knowledge. But it just kind of befuddles the mind how the the, the I guess the consumer sentiment continues to to drive yeah, things. Jobs. It, it's, it's it's amazing. Jobs. It's amazing. You know, it's people, amazing. The job market is so strong still that people can get that paycheck, collect it, and you know they have tamped down a little bit of the most exorbitant spending. But yeah, the American spender is um, a viral beast you know that um is hard to keep down yeah and and from what i read and i want to segue out but as a segue to the closing of the segment i mean i i just read somewhere that people are still going out given higher food prices inflation going out to restaurants i mean it just it just really yeah. boggles the mind it's just the american consumer keeps consuming oliver rennick catch him on SchwabNetwork.com. He bookends the uh, the coverage in the morning and the afternoon, wrapping up the markets. Oliver, great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thank you very much, Jeff. Bye-bye. See you. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Sunday. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to? Well, drop us a line, and don't forget, for all the latest curated news in lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more in all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? Well, then visit our website. Guess what? We're back again tomorrow with another edition of BRNAM. Dave Anderson of Texas A&M University will be joining us. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, you better roll with those changes.